Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of the Arguing Here podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. <laughs> and joining me today are my three colossal co-hosts, Gigantor Jonathan. Uh, a g- Gamera turtle spinning in space cult. Uh, whale Wenzel. There was no whale. I mean, they're basically whales. They're basically real-life kaiju. I mean, yeah, and Gojira means whale god. Oh, I did I do know that. Yeah, I do know that. Because of the band Gojira. Yeah. Very good band. A good band. And if that's any hint to what Very we're talking about today, we'll be rapping... God. Sorry! <laughs> Literally, as I was talking, he coughed. Literally, sorry, oh my I god. i help that I have, like, eternal bronchitis. But you don't cough until we start recording. I'm not putting you on hit blast. Him, Pat, hit him. Hit him in the throat so it stops. I feel attacked. I don't appreciate it's just something I happen to notice when I spent eight hours editing. <laughs> All right, but why are we here today? The reason why we're here today is we're, we're wrapping up our month full of movie content discussing kaiju movies, specifically of the Showa era. And for those who may not know, kaiju meaning literally translated to strange beast or strange creature. And that's sort of a, a blanket term for any sort of giant monster that ha- that happens to appear in, in Japanese movies. But Specifically, what we think of when you think of kaiju movies, a giant monster terrorizing the city. And that's more closer to the phrase daikaiju, means great strange creature. Great as in size, great as in power, presence, things like that. Big. So, technically, everyone in the podcast is a kaiju. Strange creatures. Yes. Some stranger than others. Yeah, Wenzel's fucking weird. He's fucking weirdo. Hey! Yeah, he's the one that wants to watch lizards have sex. Oh, come on, man! They're not gonna have context. <laughs> I'm not That's sure if it'd be much better context. in context. We're, we're we're not even going to provide context. We're just going to let the audience fill in the gaps. Look, the, with the their audience own got a whole episode about Wenzel talking about lizards. I think that's context enough. Oh yeah, you know, what yeah, you're actually, yeah. So a, a little bit of background on kaiju cinema. Even though the kaiju genre is like firmly rooted in Japanese cinema, it, its origins actually lie in Western films. Okay. Because the, the concept of giant monsters attacking the city stemmed heavily from Western movies in the early 1920s and 30s, like The Lost World in 1925, King Kong especially, and The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms in 1953. Okay, Okay. <laughs> no, I couldn't remember if it's fathoms or leagues. Oh, okay. But no, I think it's twenty thousand leagues under the sea. So you're right, Pat. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's it's the sequel to twenty thousand leagues under the sea. No, it's not. Th- these movies were very successful in Japan, and the legendary Toho producer uh, Tomoyuki Tanaka wanted to build off the success of these foreign films in Japan. He set out to create Japan's own original monster movies and getting to work with legendary directors like Hishiro Honda and legendary special effects director Eiji Tsuburaya, they eventually came together to make one of the most important films in Japanese cinema and more or less the starting point of the entire kaiju genre, and that's Gojira, or as it's known in America, Godzilla, which came out in 1954. And that's the first movie we'll be talking about today. Can I just start out and say that either name is really good? Like Godzilla and Gojira both sound really cool. Yes. Yeah. But very much so. Very good. And um, go ahead. Go go ahead. Go ahead. No. And uh, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. All right, I'll go ahead. <laughs> if you could just see Pat's face right now, he's just so fucking done. <laughs> oh fuck. It's a Sunday. 
<laughs> he right though. So Godzilla, nineteen fifty four. Let's go. So in case you're wondering what the name uh, Godzilla means, it comes from two words: the English word gorilla and Kujira. Kujira is a Japanese word for whale. They take the go and the Kujira, they combine together. And Godzilla is actually the name they chose for the Western release of the film. And now, despite popular opinion, it was actually chosen purposely by Toho's International Distribution Division. So that is also a Japanese invention. So the, both names are genuine. I should say, yeah. um, I don't know if it's available, but we all watched the Japanese version, right? Of the Godzilla? Yes. 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 Okay. Make, yeah, 100%. Make sure, because for those who don't know, there is an American version. I would not ever recommend it. Ever. Well, what's so bad about it? Well, okay, there's a guy. He does really good video essays. This is to anybody. Uh, we we mentioned him before on the podcast. Cody has, because he's the one that introduced us. His name is Captain Christian on YouTube. Um, if, if you want good, really good, good videos, go check him out. He did a really, really good video on Godzilla. And the reason why the American version is so bad is because it was censored heavily. And one of the sense, one of the, um, and uh, they added in uh, an American actor, of course, uh, Raymond Burr. Uh, mm-hmm. Monotonous fuck. Really boring. Um, and Oh, let me guess real quick. Uh, and the uh, bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki never happened. America's the greatest. Uh, go, go. Go Cubs. Okay, you're pretty much you're pretty much on point because you know if you don't know, Gajira was made as um, commentary on the terrible bombings of Japan, and um, this was also and also it was made actually in a time when they were still recovering and uh, America still occupied Japan and censored a lot of uh, Japanese media. So the fact that this thing could even get out was a miracle, and. Yeah, because it was it was literally just nine years after yeah after the bombings. and yeah. and whenever uh and it, they they added an American for something that is purely um an experience that's purely Japanese because the bombings were you know in Japan done to Japanese people like yeah. so like throwing in an American yeah describing Japanese you know these events and like it's just it just completely ruins the um the um the experience uh and the message and another thing too is that there's a scene in there i don't know if uh if anybody remembers it but there's a really really good scene where there's no music playing and it's just the crackling of fire as a building's burning and a woman is holding yeah. her children saying she's going to jo- they're going to join their father okay yes that was a tough oh, scene. that was a tough yeah. scene but I, I was about to ask if they had edited a lot of those more horrific. Yes, bits that, that scene in, in the movie. American version, it what they did was they uh, they played the music so you couldn't even hear her, you could barely hear her voice, and they didn't add subtitles, so you didn't know what she was uh, saying. Completely just what's completely uh, what's just so weird it. about it is they're not really like saying anything bad about like America or like they're only condemning. The fact that bombs went off, these huge H-bombs that killed thousands of people. I just don't understand why they would defend it or, like, try to cover up that in the U.S. release. Well, because because at that time, when it came to... Because that, that was a very dark 
uh, scene. And especially for the 1950s, you know, a lot of stuff was censored, not only, you know, from Japanese media, but also in American. Like, a lot of movies, you know, were censored that were made by American directors and studios and stuff. So, like, and then also having um, having a film about people suffering at the hands of some radioactive monster is, like, is also kind of, like, because, you know, they don't, they don't want, they don't, they didn't want, pe you know, people knew about the bombings, but the thing is, is that they didn't want, um, they didn't want too much compassion. You know, they didn't want, they didn't want people to really and truly understand the horror. Uh, something that, that was, that was interesting that Captain Christian talks about in his video essay, and I'm, I'm pulling a lot from him because he did a really good fucking job, is that if you notice that Godzilla doesn't have scales like normal lizard, he has this weird kind of skin that's supposed to uh, replic uh, replicate uh, keloid scarring from a yeah. victim of the bombs. And I, like, literally, like, when you pointed that out, I, I was like, I was like, yeah, like, that, that totally, f yeah, like, that totally fits it. See, when you were saying that, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Like, I didn't realize that until you started to say that. That, yeah, that's crazy. It, Yeah, it's pretty fucking spot on. Like, I, and and my mom, she, she, um, she has, like, from, like, from, <laughs> my mom is not Japanese, she's Filipino, but, like, she, like, from injuries and stuff, she's had, she has keloid scarring. I know what it looks like, and, like, the skin on Godzilla looks exactly like that. It's, it's crazy, you know? Like, and, um, and then also another thing, too, like, uh, with Raymond Burr there, there's a there's a scene where that was a uh, that they did, uh, and what what sucked about the American version too is that um, they didn't dub or they didn't uh, you know add subtitles for a lot of the trans for a lot of the translations or or for what they're speaking, and a lot of this stuff was also lost in translation. It was because it was just poorly taken care taken care of, and Raymond Burr just completely just just like out of place, monotone describing this this these uh there's a specific scene in there where instead of what would have been the reporter on top of the uh tower that would have been destroyed by godzilla it's actually he's actually in a building describing it and it's just there's no there's no emotion you know there's just it's That's just weird. so they just reshot a bunch of stuff instead of like just dubbing it exactly exactly they they just reshot a lot of stuff added yeah. in american fill-ins and stuff it was it was just not good and actually when it premiered in america it was critically panned no everybody hated it like uh critics you know critics were just were were a lot of critics wish they would have seen the original because they were like this was just that's fair because without the message yeah i mean you get an okay monster flick yeah exactly it did well you know in drive-in theaters and stuff but like the american is just awful so like um i'm glad i'm glad the version that we have access to because i watched it uh i watched I rented it on uh, Amazon Prime. They had the Criterion version, which is the original Japanese. Fantastic! Yeah. Like, even even though it's so old, there were just some really beautiful shots and like the emotion, like of the actors. You know, the the scenes, man. Like the scene with the woman holding her children, or the uh, the reporters and stuff on top of the building, like saying like, "I guess this is it. Farewell, everybody." And then they start screaming, and then everybody just crying out in terror and being so afraid, like like you know the message is clear you know uh it was just so good like it's been such a long time since i've seen it man this was my first time watching yeah. this movie and i gotta say it was a rough watch not because it was bad but because the the topic is rough yeah it's a sad topic and that ending where they're talking how as long as there's 
evil or like hide these g giant bombs in the world, the possibility of having another Godzilla pop up is still out there. And we just need to like uh, communicate and uh, not fight so we can never have something like that happen again. Yeah, you know, yeah for a better world and that was also yeah. something i um i remember as a kid i i didn't enjoy it as much as a kid because i was a kid you know um <laughs> i didn't get the you know the greater quality of it because you know i just want to see a bunch of monsters fight but now as i'm an adult i i appreciate it so much more and at at that ending whenever um dr sarazawa uh kills kills himself with the oxygen destroyer i was like yeah. and like when he says I, I wish both of you a happy life that like that sent chills down my like down my back like i was just like oh my god like this is like because like he is just i mean he was like so just reluctant to do to give them that weapon to destroy godzilla because it's like he knows it would have been used for other purposes and he's like i still have my i still have everything up here and he's like what only i mean only one way to get rid of everything well, and it very much parallels uh, the scientist who created the atomic bomb that was eventually used on Japan twice, uh, because a lot of the scientists they they very much regretted what they made, and they talked extensively about how, you know, they were just sort of they just had this tunnel vision to create this thing, and once it was finally completed, and they kind of took in the magnitude of what they created, they were like, oh fuck, yeah. You, you know, they, they've literally, like, changed the course of history. And I think that's one of the things that makes the ending to this movie so poignant is, is, is Sarazawa, you know, sort of killing himself because with him being basically the, or metaphorical uh, scientist in this case, he knows as long as he exists, there's, this is just going to continue. And, and, and like y'all were saying, like, this is the first time I've, actually seen this movie and and i you know you always hear you know just through like uh cultural osmosis you know this this movie is about uh you know this is the movie japan used to sort of yeah. cope yeah. with the bombing but i wasn't ready for like how like genuinely horrific this movie was going to be and and, and also too like you know, especially seeing you know how Godzilla has kind of transformed in the popular culture to be, you know, this just more fun, action-oriented uh, mascot. You know, giant... Yeah, mascot, basically. You know, these giant monsters fighting. To, uh, to see where this origin point where it's much more somber and, and it's really bleak. You know, like... Like, as much as it, I, I hate that the movie was censored when it came over stateside, I, I see, you, you know, it's like, I, I, uh, I'm i trying to think of how to phrase it. Just knowing, you know, sort of like the history of Hollywood and the Hays Code and stuff like that, like, I don't think American audiences were ready for something this just truly and existentially terrifying, even though it's our country yeah. who inflicted yeah. this upon them. The thing I thought was really interesting about just the history of the release of the movie is that it came out originally in 1954 in Japan, and it did not do well when it was released because the Japanese audience, they didn't really like how bluntly it addressed like, you know, mm -hmm. things about nuclear war, nuclear weapons, and like 
because you know it's less than a decade after the after the bombings. Yeah, and so I imagine it didn't really do very well. Yeah, and I imagine they were probably looking for something more of an escapist fantasy, and this which is, is why the the all those other monster movies did so well, and so it, it had so it jumped across upon to to like select Asian and Japanese communities in uh, the next year. Uh, 1956 is when American adaptation Godzilla King of Monsters was made, and then it was shipped back to Japan. Trans- uh, they 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 put Japanese uh, subtitles on the American version, and that actually did really well oh. because they cut out a lot of the uh, the stuff with nuclear weapons. So it's it's this weird back and forth, like hodgepodge version. But in time, uh, Japan came to like really appreciate and enjoy. Sort of the blunt message that Ishiro Honda had to say about the film, because a lot of what that movie is about comes from his personal experiences from being a soldier in World War II, being a prisoner of war, seeing like his fir- like having firsthand experience with the fallout of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and how that sort of deeply transformed his worldview, and he wanted to use this movie as a way to express all these things he had felt. Yeah. And it's like, I, I fucking love this movie. This movie yeah. is fantastic. And I, like honestly, because John and I were talking before the show, like there's literally so much content in Godzilla 1954 that you we could do an attempt with you on it because that that's why I spent when I was doing my notes for the show, like a, a big like half of it is just on Godzilla, <laughs> your OG, because like just the level of detail we have about the insight on the production of the film on all the people that touched the film, like Ishiro Honda, Eiji Tsuburaya, and like all, and all these just in, deeply influential people in Japanese movie culture. It's, it's like staggering, just, just that alone. Never mind all the different things and readings you could pull from the film. A hundred percent. And just sort of give uh, sort of an idea of what we mean by this. is like after me and Pat finished watching this movie, we spent maybe, what, a good like hour, hour and a half just sort of, discussing it and talking about it and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of the other movies we're going to get to, and this isn't necessarily a reflection on their quality. They're good in their own right. But it was more of just like, yeah, what did you think of the movie? Oh, I liked it. You know, I like this, 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 and this. And then that was sort of yeah. the extent of the conversation. They're more surface level enjoying it. And th- th- there's there's nothing wrong with a movie just being surface level fun. Yeah. Exactly. No, like, 100%. Um, <laughs> because uh, if if anybody were our um, by the time you listen to this, our ratings uh, for um, all of these movies uh, hopefully be published on Letterbox. Yeah, I think they're uh, already. Thank up. you again, Pat, or or thank whoever you. did that, Jonathan. Uh, it was Pat. <laughs> okay, thank you, Pat. Um, you'll see there's like a dip like in the ratings, and that's and that's not to say the movies like you said are aren't bad or fun. You know, they're fun, they're goofy, like Gojira, Godzilla. Like there's just it's just more than just some it's more than just a monster movie it's a it's uh it's Honda venting pretty much man it's so fantastic like <laughs> like it's been such a long time since I've seen it and watching it again it's just like watching it with such op- more open eyes oh my god it's just I have so much love for it like you guys said I was literally after I got done with it I was thinking in my mind oh my god. Like I wanted to do an essential viewing because it's just it's just so. And then I I I was like I was like I'm almost tempted to buy the uh, Criterion uh, Showa era Godzilla collection because I was like this is just th- this is just so mm-hmm. like I have to have this 
I have to have it so I can always go back to it. And then, you know, the rest of the movies I can always go back to it too because they're, they're fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like immediately uh, as we were watching these movies, I went to like, you know, Amazon and Criterion uh, uh, actual, you know, main website. And I was, they actually have a sale on it right now. <laughs> like the big collection? Yeah, it's, uh, they, they marked it down to like 157. Yep. That, that's, you know. That's going to date this episode, yeah. but you know. Yeah, um, the sale, the, everything on Criterion right now is thirty percent off. Um, the sale will last until uh, May thirty first. If you have the budget to get the Godzilla and Criterion Collection, I would strongly suggest that because one, it's really hard to find kaiju movies like readily available on streaming. It's very painfully hard, even finding it in different circumstances. Uh, not being specific, it's pretty <laughs> difficult to find these movies. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And and, um, uh, and and like a majority of these films, we had to watch. Uh, me and Pat had to watch the English dub. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was this thing too. Like I could only find English versions for some of these. For um, what I did is, uh, and I'm kind of excited because <laughs> uh, I just went ahead and did the 14 day free trial for Criterion Channel. That's how I watched. Um, the three Godzilla movies. Oh, okay. Oh, fun. Yeah. And then I, I use, uh, in that certain circumstance, I watched the other movie um, <laughs> that Colt uh, sent in chat in a certain circumstance. And um, <laughs> and then uh, we actually had uh, the last movie uh, that will pro- uh, that's not part of this, you know, group or whatever. We actually had it on DVD, and I, wa- uh, and I watched it Hell on yeah. there. Yeah. Like, cause it, it, you know, speaking of how hard it is to find these, like, if you go on Amazon right now to even get like Blu-ray copies of some of these movies, the the price hike is ridiculous, cause they're so hard to find. And like, the reason why I had to use streaming services is because I forgot our VHS rewinder broke. Oh so shit. So our V our our VHS tapes, I we haven't rewound them in forever. And last time I watched them, you know, that was it. I put it back in. I didn't rewind it. So like. The movies that I needed to watch were were not rewound, so that's why I had to go just to Just put streaming. your fingers in the hole and just start twisting. You just rewind it manually, Wenzel. You know, Pat, that was a thought. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, getting back to uh, just the original Godzilla film, uh, one thing one thing I, I was sort of struck with is, and, and I don't want to separate it too much from you know its cultural context, but just there there's also this a prescient element to the movie where you really you know especially in the wake of like global pandemic and things like that and our government's inability to sort of handle a crisis on this scale it, it really is reflective of you, you know what what's going on now not even just with like corona but with also climate change and stuff like that it, it, it's amazing yeah. that the movie is 66 years old and it, and we're still finding ways how it relates so seamlessly to what's what our own sort of troubles and issues because there are very big moments in the film where the failure or ineptitude of like governing bodies leads to, to bigger consequences to tragedy which is what the whole movie is about is tragedy and consequence because because you know Godzilla is as much a weapon as he is a victim of the weapon and like mm-hmm. he, he oh yeah he's He's an innocent animal 
who's sort of lashing out in pain and frustration, but like it's because it's just reverberating effects of the misuse and negligence of like extremely powerful uh, weapons in science. And it, it just sort of shows like everything that we do has repercussions and consequences. Even even in peaceful times, especially so in in times of war and conflict, because something Jonathan and I realized, like um, watching maybe like the the poor fishing town, they're the first ones hit by Godzilla's rampage, and just like in times of conflict, it's usually the poor people with little resources they're the first ones to to be victimized, and it's not until it hits you know like a more established and affluent part of society that people start to take notice. And there's, like I said, there's there's so much deeper. This movie deserves to be talked about. What today's episode is, it's just a an overview of the kaiju genre. Just it's like some some of the more important and fun movies that we wanted to talk about, and we we definitely will dive into select ones at on a deeper level at another date. So don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah. And I know. Like right now, we're talking a lot about sort of more thematic and conceptual aspects of the film. But even like on just like a technical or mechanical level, the movie is really good. Yeah, like well, all like, the. Oh, oh this yeah. is not just for this Godzilla movie, but all of these movies, the amount of details that goes into these sets, these little miniature sets that they use, they're absolutely beautiful. And I found myself thinking, <laughs> that looks awesome. I want to make stuff like that. That stuff's cool. I really enjoy tiny things <laughs> of uh, normal yeah. big things. I had that same child wonderment i was like how'd they do that but it's like 100 (laughs) percent. like i I was just like there there were a lot of like techniques that are probably like you know super you know mundane now but even now i'm just like wow that's impressive that with the limited amount of resources they had at the time they were able to create this this movie and and like and and yeah like you like you you can definitely see the the cracks, you know, the cracks in it every yeah. now and then. Like, especially, like, a lot of the miniature sets definitely feel tiny. But at the same time, it's just, it, it adds to this sort of, um, I, I don't know. It's, how- it's still very effective. Like, yeah. Well, to me, one of the the most striking scenes in the film is when Godzilla is toward the end of his rampage in Tokyo. And he's just sort of standing in this darkened city. And literally the entire horizon line is in, the, in just sweeping flames. And he's just sort of standing there and looming over the city. And that's such a chilling shot. Yeah, Never mind is. all the little sequences in the, in the city that you see, like people evacuating, people being killed, the, the, the relief workers trying to help. And, of course, that, that extremely gut-wrenching scene of, of, the, of the mother and her children, like, resigning themselves to death. Yeah, and, and then there's another scene uh, I think is – it's probably a little bit after that where this girl is like screaming, you know, over her parents' corpse and stuff. Oh it's, yeah. It's like, yeah. like I was like, like it, there, there's a sort of like, and I'm not like exaggerating at all. There was like this very visceral reaction where it's like, Ugh, Ooh, that's real. And so you, you can, you can see why there, there was such a sort of backlash against the movie when it first came out, because all these things that were like, very nakedly reflecting what happened at the destruction of Japan. And, of course, people weren't going to take too comfortably to that because they lived through it, and it's still mm-hmm. so fresh in their minds afterwards. That's why this sort of, some would say, a neutered version of the movie was more palatable because it was able to distance themselves 
from the tragedy that's still very real. Well, and, and also, too, we also have to think of the time this movie came out, which was the 50s, which I can't really speak too much about Japanese uh, cinema history, but I know over here, you know, like before uh, the Hayes Code, which was implemented in like, I want to say the 30s. I could be wrong. But what is uh, that? It, it, it was basically uh, before that movies could basically show whatever. So like a lot of early cinema is very uh, surprisingly risque for what yeah. uh, you would expect. But like the government was actually kind of thre- uh, threatening to come down on, you know, the studios and stuff. So this guy who was, um, he was like this religious leader. His name was, uh, his last name was Hayes. He created what's called the Hayes Code, which was a way to the uh, the Hollywood studio system could censor themselves. And he came up with just a bunch of bullshit, arbitrary uh, distinctions and guidelines for like what you can and can't show. And I mean, and when I say it's arbitrary, it, it is like ridiculous. Like you can't have like, uh I'm not, uh, that, that's going down a tangent. I'm not going to yeah. go down right now. Well, just know in Japan, America, especially 1954, America was still occupying Japan. And, and that too. And, and that too. And, and because, and because they're occupying it, they also put a huge restriction on like all Japanese media that like, there could be no propaganda, like nothing like they like, like, oh, but the, like I said, the fact that this even came out though is very surprising. Yeah. And like kind of kind of like it's great like that it, it was able to you know push through i'm glad it made it through yeah Jesus Christ. me too but but like even on top of that like even with the pre-haze code movies there wasn't a mo- there weren't a lot of movies that were this bleak and, and i literally just don't think I, I legitimately think don't think people were ready to handle that sort of of violence and just abject existential horror because like the '50s, that was like sort of like the Hammer movie era, you know. A lot like of like communist. No, I'm thinking of no. Hammer. No, fuck, my bad. No, no Hammer. No. Hammer's a studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it was like a lot of like really goofy, cheesy monster movies. A lot of like Dracula and Frankenstein ripoffs and stuff like that. Uh. So have this movie that's just so nakedly like just bleak and dark. Just don't think people were like ah. Because it is funny, because, like, Godzilla is, is by no means the first movie of the year to deal with, like, nuclear age and, like, oh, yeah. atomic monsters. Like, all that was, was like, very common. Is there's, They were one of the first to do something so different within the genre with what with the, those same materials, and that's what makes it so meaningful even today. Because, like we said, this went from being, like, almost this pariah of a film to literally one of the like most sacred and hallowed films in Japanese cinema culture. Yeah, I, I mean, to the, th- there's like this sort of pantheon of movies where like if you criticize them, it's like why the fuck are you criticizing this movie? Are you an asshole? You know, and 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 Godzilla is definitely you know cemented itself in that pantheon of film. I I want to say any anybody who doesn't like the original Godzilla, they hate everything. Yeah. Well, I, I would say give it a chance because like 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 a lot of these movies you may you may have seen as a child, it's like though that seems stuffy and boring, but don't let the black and white film fool you. Don't let the sort of on the surface <laughs> dated effects fool you because there's a lot of genuine artistic 
credibility in this film, and it's very worth anybody's time. A hundred percent. I will. N- no, if a child doesn't like it, I can get that because as a child, I thought it was boring. As an adult, I my eyes were glued to the fucking screen. I couldn't. I could not stop. I. I don't. I think I. <laughs> I never paused it or anything. Like I. I was. I was dead set on watching it. I loved it and like. I'm almost gonna say if you if you don't like it, you probably supported Japanese internment. <laughs> gonna say that. <laughs> wow, that's a clear reach. Way to just like slam your dick on the table, Wenzel. Um, hey, and, and just calling it how I see it. I. And, I and will, another thing. I, I've wanted to say this just because it's a thing. It's not about Godzilla. It's more so old movies in general. The audio in old movies is god awful. And it it's not different in this movie either, because every time they scream, it is the worst sound I've ever heard. Ooh, oh my god! Because right. it's uh, like call... hopping and crackling and just like being really loud and grating. And it's, they scream almost the whole you movie. Fucking baby, like, like to me, that's what I love about it. Is just sort of the antiquated quality of it. I mean, I'm just saying, boy. Like, I enjoy sort of seeing uh, the warts and crackles of it because. That to me gives it its charm because it shows how far we've come. Oh, 100%. like even though this is more than a half a century old, like it's even though it's still relatively simple in terms of special effects, it's still staggering what they're able to do, and like how it's still impactful all this time later. Yeah, exactly. So like th- that's part of the charm for me when you see sort of the cracks. But I, I will say, as dated as some of the effects are in this film. I mean, they definitely hold it a lot better than some of the effects in the other films we'll talk about. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> They're all pretty fun. I, yeah, I was going to say, oh, yeah. I, I've enjoyed all the special effects in all these movies. It's just the uh, audio in the original Godzilla is bad. I hate it. Yeah, well, well, uh, like, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I, to me, that's just part of the charm. I, I just sort of love, yeah. like, the old audio and how... Like people talked back in like the old like black and white movies from like the fifties and before, because that's something we were talking about too. Like, not it's not just limited to like the Japanese film. It's just sort of of the era. Like, it's just I really like seeing a snapshot of like the fifties and sort of like the terms of dress and the turn of phrase and the architecture. Like, I mean, because well, you, you saw the people in the film, like they're all pretty snappily dressed. And mm-hmm. shout out to the that one lady in the government meeting who's like speaking truth to power about letting Godzilla be be like known to the public. She had her little hat on, yeah. like she was she laying was, down the law. Yeah, she was getting it. <laughs> and, and before we move Love on that. from this movie, one more element I want to sort of highlight is the fucking music in this movie. Yes, was, yeah. Like, like there, there's just sort of this like very tense. A thematic motif that's played throughout a lot of like the very heavy, like action heavy bits. Mwah! It's so good. Perfect. Akira Fukube's the composer for the film, and his sweet, just sort of general musical motif is like not only iconic across, you know, East and West, it's just he's one of the greatest cinematic composers to ever live. Mm-hmm. And like his body work is. It speaks for himself, like like that that Godzilla's theme is you could, you, could, you get the both the, the the deep bassy part portions of it. Then you have like the dun 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 the the Ooh. high energy portion. That's like man, it's it's I I love it because every time his his suite would start, like I just get amped up. Yeah, and, me too. It's not me just too. the OG I, movie that it gets me hyped. It's in all the Godzilla movies. Oh yeah, seen. 
every time I hear that theme, I get really excited. Man, yeah, like that was even as a kid. Like every time I heard it, I was like, "Bump it up!" <laughs> no, like literally, me and my my dad would literally turn it up. Like we would just get so pumped. It's so freaking Such a good, bop. man. So, so like like we said, this is like this in the episode in itself is an overview of kaiju movies, and like this is just our overview of Godzilla. Because trust me, like. I, there's plenty more to be said. I have a lot more notes, but just God, Godzilla, the original 1954 version, deserved, deserves its own time and place to be discussed. So uh, we'll put a pin in this for now and go on to our next film. Yeah, so which expect is an essential Mothra vs. Godzilla from 1964, which is uh, 10 years after the original and is actually the fourth film in the, the, Godzilla, the Showa Godzilla series. Also, one thing: do not confuse it with the '90s uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, because I remember hearing about that confused a lot of people. Yeah, there's a reason why oh, it's yeah. called Mothra versus Godzilla and Godzilla versus Mothra. They're different movies. Yeah, oh, yeah. but for like someone that's not big into these Godzilla movies, I would have just mixed those around, thinking, "Oh, they're the same thing." Yeah, I. But I, I heard about that. it from like a Godzilla YouTuber. So that's why I knew that oh. he had the two different versions. Oh man, what a nerd! You watch BookTuber? Shut up. Uh, what what's yeah. wrong with BookTube? You fuck. He just called yeah. me a nerd for watching Godzilla YouTube. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'd watch it too. <laughs> Godzilla, uh... <laughs> but fuck you, nerd. All right. Uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Like I said, it's the fourth installment in this series, and. It centers around the appearance of a giant mysterious egg in the middle of the sea and how the schemes of two greedy businessmen lead to dangerous escalating situation. Man, what, like, I had fun with this as a kid. I had fun with this as an adult. <laughs> yeah, coming from the OG Godzilla to this, completely different tone, super fun. Yeah, it- Man, very, like, very and, and it's by like, the same director as well. Yeah, because so. uh, I was going to say, of the, of the five films we're talking about today, four of them are by Ishiro Honda, because Ishiro Honda, just to get back on him for a, just a moment, he's an extremely prolific director. He's directed, in his career, 52 films, and at least tw- over 20 of those are kaiju or tokusatsu in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And wow. he directed a good portion of the... The 15 films in the Showa era, and uh, the, the, just a Godzilla film, because Mothra had her own standalone movie in 1961, and so they yep. they they seen how well Godzilla versus King Kong did was sort of like these the integration of more and different monsters. They decided to have a crossover between Godzilla and Mothra, and this uh, it started with Godzilla versus King Kong, a more directed attention to make it more accessible to a wider audience, family-friendly, child-friendly, and that comes across in Mothra vs. Godzilla. Not to say there aren't moments of sort of like more mature, darker content. It's just there's a gradual decision to make things more accessible and more lighthearted. And that does, and that's not necessarily to the judgment of the film because a lot of people – who are hardcore kaiju fans, they use Godzilla versus, excuse me, Mothra versus Godzilla as a entry point for people who are trying to get into Godzilla into the kaiju genre because I feel like it has enough of what the general person would know as Godzilla or kaiju within the film 
but also still having some meat on its bones in sort of like a, a compelling story. But it's, it's just generally like a fun movie. Yeah, and, and, and just just sort of the difference in tone. Uh, I, I was not. It was such a, a tonal whiplash going from the 1954 Godzilla where, you know, like, like we've keep saying it's very somber, bleak. And to this where there's just like fucking singing fairies for reasons. That hey. caught me off guard. <laughs> hey, Hey, real Hey, bad. shut up. Yeah. You don't, t- you don't talk about the peanut sisters like that. I, I, I you mean, do not I, talk about I loved them to death, but it was just Emmy Ito and Yumi Ito are amazing. They, they are amazing, but it was just sort of like, Going from this more grounded story to like, we're gonna have this shit now, and you're gonna like it, and I'm just like, yes, sir, I'm gonna like it. it. It only made me want to watch all the movies from the OG Godzilla to that point, because if it's anything like this, I need to see these things. Just know, I need to see Mothra real bad. I love Mothra. Just know when you get to like, when you start getting into like, um, '90s and like 2000 Godzilla stuff gets like fucking. Just even more crazy, man. Like, Ooh, I'm super excited for that. Because I've heard I, good stuff about, like, uh, Godzilla 2000, uh, well, the Japanese one. Like, you know, originally, I was just going to throw it in there. I, I originally was going to have us watch just because it's just so freaking fun. Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> I've actually, actually Godzilla... seen parts of that movie. And I just remember, like, seeing it as a kid just being like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> I remember me and my dad made a whole day of watching it, and I remember we were both absolutely losing our freaking minds. Like, when I, and when I think about it, I still lose my freaking mind. But, no, it, it's funny, because you guys talk about how, like, how much of a change it is to see the uh, fairy twins. Like, and honestly, I can't say anything, because I'm just like, because, <laughs> you know, I've seen the movies, so I, like, I'm just, you know, I'm used to them. I just know them. And my dad would always sing the Mothra song because... Mothra. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Like, oh, my God. I, like... I, <laughs> like, to your point, Wizzle, when I was making like, I, my, my notes for today's episode, like, I had the Mothra song on loop in my in my uh, browser while I was playing. Because it, yes. it's just a great song. And... Yeah, the two, the two, the two fairies are the the Shobijin, which are like Mothra's attaches, the, uh, her sort of, there's like the liaison between uh, Mothra and the greater humanity, and they sort of appear to the businessmen to sort of negotiate with them to giving back the egg. And I will say it was funny since Jonathan hadn't seen this before. You see, like the two businessmen are like talking, ha ha ha, our, our, our evil scheme. And you just see these two tiny women scamper across the shelf. And Jonathan's like, is this egg making them trip balls or something? Because what is these tiny women? <laughs> because, because like, up to no, that it, point, and it's a pretty significant chunk into the movie, like, about probably about 15 minutes or so. And it's pretty, you know, minus the giant fucking egg. It's like, all right, this is pretty grounded. And and, and then and then these just fucking little women show up, and they're just like, woohoo! I'm just like... Yes. Okay. We're here. It, and all they're it, doing is saying, "Give me back our egg." Yeah, we want it's the so egg. it's so freaking funny. <laughs> I love it. And they and keep like, like disappearing oh and my stuff. God. So I was like, I was just thinking, like, are are they like just tripping balls right now? Like, is this egg causing them to trip balls? But no. 
No, it's Twin Fairies, and, uh, I completely forgot how fucking, uh, hot they are. I was waiting for it. Oh my god. It. god damn I, it. I knew it was coming. I, I know. <laughs> no, like, 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 I was like, oh my god, they are so pretty. <laughs> like, they're so beautiful, and I just want to protect them from everything. But because uh, yeah. the two actresses, uh, they're, they're called the Peanut Sisters because that was their their name because they were singers in Japan because they were real life twins, and how if you notice in the film this is, this is almost unnatural harmony and resonance they're able to make when they were singing, but that was that was genuine. They didn't alter their voices in any way. Uh, that's that's cool. Oh my god, and that's why that's why I love them so much. They sing, they're such beautiful singers. I remember. Uh, <laughs> When we still used floppy disk, um, my dad had like pirated or something. He had, he, I can't remember how, but he had the Mothra song on a floppy disk, and he would just, we'd play it all the time because we just loved it so much. Oh man, like, ugh, such a good song. So, like, oof, I love them. They're they're fantastic. Uh, Emi Ito and Yumi Ito, the best. And just just get into the meat of the film. Do we have the uh, the, the evil tycoons? They 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 take the egg. They sort of using this as sort of the the grand attraction for their new theme park, and the Shobajins <laughs> are trying to get their human allies to convince them to, to get the eggs. But just through through the course of it, you know, the negotiations start to break down, and they retreat back to the infant island, which is sort of uh, where they where the came from, and it's sort of also been the victim of like nuclear testing because that's why Mothra. And, and the natives there uh, initially refused to help society or because they, they're the victims of atomic testing. Because after the egg is moved, Godzilla pops up on the beach. Like, it, it, it's, it's funny because he almost comes out of nowhere because it feels more like a sequel to Mothra. And again, Godzilla is just like, I'm here, bitch. Yeah, he's just <laughs> chilling underground. He's just, I'm up. What's good? You, you know, uh, Oh, yeah, he did rise up out of the ground. Something I was going to say was that when Colt mentioned it in our chat, but I didn't realize how much Godzilla trips. I, I was just about to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, Godzilla eats shit like, the whole movie. Like, me All and Pat were movies. just joking about how, like, uh, like Godzilla is just like, I'm sorry, guys, this is a misunderstanding. Oh! And it's just, like, crashing and yeah. tripping <laughs> into shit. It's fucking, it's, like, legitimately, like, slapstick gold. No, whenever, uh, whenever the Mothra, um, whenever they go to talk to Mothra on the island, I was literally just saying, I was literally just doing a, a bit where I was like, I was like, I wonder if Mothra is just like screaming at them, like, I need my egg. <laughs> <laughs> and the twins are like, uh, she'll be fine. You know, Mothra never truly dies. And she's like, I need my egg. <laughs> Please, give me my egg. That's, she's like, I'm about to die. I need my egg. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about Godzilla tripping and eating shit everywhere is that I like to think that he's not actually violent or evil. Yeah. He's just clumsy. He's just accidentally. Yeah, that, that, that's doing what things. I was trying to say. Like he he's just kind of bumbling his way through. He's like, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you know um when the mothra twins are born uh because spoiler mothra dies and um the egg opens up and it's actually two mothra larvae uh whenever they uh they leave i'm just like I, in my mind i'm just like 
here we go. <laughs> we going. Are you talking about like at the credits? When, or not credits, but the end scene? Yeah. <laughs> That's very fun. Just seeing, there they go. They, the they just remind me, uh, I remember as a kid, I always thought of them as like uh, just a bunch of chocolate donuts stacked. Yeah. You're not wrong. Go, go back right. a beat yeah. to uh, when Mothra is finally convinced to take up the fight of humanity and fight against Godzilla. It's been so long since I've seen this movie. I forgot how big Mothra is in this movie because she's, if not roughly the same size as Godzilla, arguably bigger because she is enormous in this movie. And that's probably the biggest she gets because every subsequent film, Godzilla gets bigger and she kind of gets smaller. But, like, they're kind of on the equal yeah. sort of size plane. And she gets Godzilla on the rope when she's just flapping wings and blowing everything away. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and just to say, this is 10 years after the OG Godzilla and just the level of special effects and return to the modeling, the suit creation, the monster design and execution. It's it's un, it's incredible what they do in th- this movie. Oh, 100%. And, and just sort of their transition to color was really good as well. Yeah, yeah that was one thing. I, I do not care for black and white movies. I prefer color. 10 times out of 10. And that transition from black and white to color was so, so nice, considering it takes place, or it was made in the 60s, and they had all these beautiful, vibrant colors that they're wearing. It's just so so nice. You're such a baby. I'm sorry. My brain can only take in color because the internet's ruined it. (laughs) uh, It's just a one-inch barrier. To your point about Godzilla being the clit, the bit where Godzilla falls into the castle... Um, the the suit actor Harudaka Jima he actually fell and oh. hit the castle, <laughs> and yeah, that's it, good. It, it damaged Godzilla's suit, like it knocked out some teeth and dislocated the jaw. Oh fuck! But A.G. Subaraya, watching the footage back, he liked it so much because it it felt realistic to the scene. They kept it in and they didn't alter Godzilla's suit, so he's a little janky after that fact because it seemed like oh Godzilla's falling and crashing through the city and he bangs his head on the on this pagoda and and another uh, unintentional moment that was kept in the film when the military strikes and just like uh, this carpet bomb run on godzilla the suit's head catches on fire and they uh, they that wasn't planned but they just kept it in the movie oh fuck oh my god <laughs> they kicked the shit out of the guy in the suit i hope he got some workers comp something i never noticed uh and I didn't notice until towards the end of the movie was that uh, there's a portion where you can actually see like uh, red holes on Godzilla's neck for you know the person inside to see and stuff. I never noticed that literally until until towards the end when he's uh, uh, fighting yeah, Mothra. Part of my research and, I did um, about uh, the OG Godzilla led me to learn about Haru Nakajima, the primary suit actor for Godzilla, and just sort of what he did and had to go through in the Godzilla movies is fascinating because uh, Haru Nakajima he played. Godzilla from the first movie up until 1972's Godzilla vs. Gigan. So he did the bulk of the series. Oh. Oh, fuck. And what's really cool, like, wow. in order to get Godzilla's movements down, like, he went to zoos and studied animals to have for the movement. So if you notice, Godzilla keeps his arms close to his body with his hands facing inward. Like, that's from his sort of animalistic movements that he sort of devised for Godzilla. And the original Godzilla suit weighed over 200 pounds, and it, 
And oh, initially, it, he only had three minutes of time to actually perform in the suit because he would pass out from either overheating or just physical exhaustion. God. I imagine the wow. suit's made out of like heavy rubber and it stinks. Not like because it's just rubber stinks, but because yeah, of because chemicals. That, and uh, that's why he, they, they had so much trouble. They had to kind of like stop and go with the production of it. But you know, the funny thing is, despite how just physically exhausting it was for him to be Godzilla, he relished the role and and definitely loved his time as Godzilla. Even though he got like. You know, he would pass out in suit, and people wouldn't know sometimes, or he would just get these <laughs> fucking hell. whole body blisters from just working in the suit all day. He still, he still. I hope w- he got paid well it because he just enjoyed the role so much. I mean, pay me to smash a little, a little tiny city. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh yeah, that sounds. That sounds dream, like a fucking actually. blast. Yeah, no, I was literally thinking that when I was watching. I was like, this is like the funnest th- job ever, most likely. You know, except for the passing out yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and um, wearing a 200-pound like, suit. Yeah, that's not the fun part. On the bright side, I bet he was probably fucking jacked by the time he retired the role. <laughs> well, well, good news is they, they were able to uh, make lighter, more uh, maneuverable suit. Because even, even in the first movie, they made a lighter suit for Nakajima to work with. Because, you know, the first one was just so heavy and, like, so dangerous to his health. Yeah. So they they were able to make improvements, of course, over the last ten years. So it is Nakajima that's in uh, this movie as well, and he will be for several movies to come. This so, well, speaking of uh, other movies, it will go to the sequel to Mothra vs. Godzilla, which is Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. This came out in it came actually huh. came out later that year, nineteen sixty-four. Oh shit! Yeah, and it's like a direct sequel. Yes, yeah, so it's a direct sequel. It's mm-hmm. the fifth film in the Showa series. And it, it all starts when a strange meteor strikes the Earth during, while a foreign dignitary is on her way to Japan. And the uh, connection between these two events erupts into the biggest monster movie battle yet. Like I said, with the last movie, there's, there's been a, a deliberate change to make it more accessible and family-friendly. And that really comes through in this one because this is a big turning point in the series because this is their first movie where Godzilla is played heroically because he's always been the villain or the or the or the monster antagonistic in all the other movies. Well, and like uh, one thing we didn't talk about in uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, I mean, I mean he is like basically not counting the businessman, the primary antagonist, and I mean Mothra kicks his ass, which I, I was really surprised because you know you just think of Godzilla being sort of the main mascot for this franchise. It's like, I'd expect him to be, you know, conquer whatever foe he fought every time, but no. Modern day Godzilla, though, he will eat them. Yeah. Literally. Because, like, you probably have to argue for the series to continue. You can't have your main character being the losing end for too many more movies. So, Mm -hmm. it's just a very deliberate change to make him just sort of propagate the series further. And also, this is the first movie to introduce sci-fi elements into the myth because this is where you first have contact with extraterrestrial planets like aliens with the Venusians or the Martians in the English dub. And ultimately uh, introduces one of the most iconic foes in Godzilla's, uh, I guess, rogues gallery, and that's King Ghidorah. And King Ghidorah is fucking lit. Yeah, he looks really, really <laughs> cool. Like, uh... We I don't really know how I feel like looking at his design 
and then seeing him in uh, the newest Godzilla movie, it just feels like it's not the same monster, but it, it is. But visually, it just doesn't feel the same. It's kind of scary. Yeah. That was Both are scary. good, though. Both monster designs are really good. SMH. It would easily be monster design. Eiji Tsuburaya like, really showed his sort of creative prowess with this movie because the only direction he had for designing Ghidorah was just what was written in the script, which is simply ha- is it has three heads, two tails, and a voice like a bell. And he made what we know as Ghidorah, which is this giant, deific, golden monster. Yeah, that's impressive. That I I I, I always thought um, his screech or whatever was iconic, and like hearing it like just threw me back in time. Yeah, Man. he's like Ghidorah's cry is is very well known and one of my favorite cries of the Godzilla series. And interestingly enough, uh, Ghidorah wasn't originally golden when he was made. He was actually black with blue, white, and red wings. You can, you can go out and find like the, these early prototypes. Oh. It's literally the whole suit's made. It just has a different color scheme. Also, contrary to contrary belief, he's not blue in, the, in that old photo. He's black, but just due to the lighting, he appears blue. Okay. But it really is just it, it to see just totally oh. different versions of Ghidorah because he's just – it's a very striking image, this giant golden monster. I always, always enjoyed, uh, like, because you know when you think of dragons, you think of fire. But something I've noticed in in certain depictions of, uh, of dragons is, um, they shoot, they'll shoot like you know lightning instead of fire. And I always, uh, I always thought that was neat. Um, the only, the only, the only uh, dra- other dragon I can think of that did that was actually um, the dragon in, um, uh, God of War. It shoots um, which could be inspired of uh, King Ghidorah. Possibly, I think I think a lot of um, depictions or like re- records of dragons was that like you know they when they like what they, whatever they spewed out of their mouth was like thunderous or maybe you know lightning oriented or something like that. But I always um, man, I, I don't know. I just always enjoyed um, the King Ghidorah, you know his power. Um, Rodan, though, when I saw him, I was like, <laughs> I, I completely forgot yeah. how silly he kind of yeah, looks. Yeah, he looks really, um, really silly. Um, but I was just like, yeah, hey, like, there's a chicken. When you hear the name like Rodan, <laughs> you mean you think of like some like pretty, you know, big like scary monster, and, and yeah, he he's just kind of like a, a a flying chicken. But, but I will say the his 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 movie his the movie that introduces him is actually pretty goddamn terrifying and so is Mothra. Because oh. yeah, uh, well the reason why uh, Ghidorah I mean excuse me Rodan looks so different in this one because Rodan's solo movie came out in 1956, and uh. so much time had passed between that movie and this one. His original suit was too deteriorated to reuse, mm-hmm. so they just had to make a new Rodan. So he does look kind of. Silly when you compare it to the OG version. He has like a more pronounced beak and pointy his, his horns, and he has a big long rubber neck, just like kind yeah. of flapping. So he looks a little dorky, but like that's part of the charm, I think, with the movie. And I, I will say, th- this movie is very fun. It's definitely not as cohesive as a plot <laughs> as the the other films. Which yeah. you know isn't isn't bad per se. It's just. It's it's definitely more heat on like this is kind of silly fun. Yeah, this uh, 
this was the first one of these movies that we watched where it felt like the movie was a it was a was a vehicle to get to the fight versus versus yeah. uh, like OG Godzilla and then Mothra versus Godzilla where they felt like the natural climax to that story like this felt like more of they they kind of wrote it backwards where it was like but the okay, plot was secondary yeah then, it's like okay we got this awesome fight how do we get to it that's fair yeah so so you like you had the whole thing about this foreign princess who's possessed by a Venusian or Martian entity the prophetess it's Venusian sort of warning warning everyone about the monsters that are coming but it's it's just kind of really herky jerky how like there's a an assassin plot who are just like and inept at their job like they can't hit like they literally have a hotel room right across from the gang in the movie and they're just shooting and they can't hit the broadside of a barn. Yeah. And and for some reason too, after uh after they leave, they just they don't even finish their assassination. They literally just leave the princess there. <laughs> like, okay. Just throw her in the fireplace. They'll probably forget <laughs> to check it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know about y'all, but this was the first movie we had to watch the English dub for. Yeah. And, and and surprisingly, yeah. it wasn't terrible. No, I it wasn't bad at all. It's just, um. yeah, I rented it from uh, Amazon, and I gotta say, quality-wise, it was pretty doo-doo. <laughs> but uh, voices were pretty good. Uh, but like, like Jonathan said, I think the fight was where all the like uh, production went because it was. It was pretty bottom of the list of all these movies we watched. It's it's not the worst. No, we'll get to that. But I put it ab- above uh, a movie that we get to <laughs> later. It's not last, but yeah. it's almost last. And, and, but like that being said, for what it is, I I really enjoyed the the fight and the the monsters and just seeing basically this like Avengers moment for them. Yeah, yeah, it's still it's and, still fun. Because you, yeah. you get Godzilla, you get Rodan, you get Mothra. You have the, all these three individualistic characters all coming together to defeat Ghidorah. And while it isn't as grand or as big as some of the other fights you've seen, but, but that's partially like there's a lot of reasons to go into it. Like it's a, it was a very rushed production, and they said, "Well, yeah, because I mean, it came out what the same year." Yeah, and how um, Ghidorah, while he, he is visually impressive, he was also extremely demanding to work with. Oh, I can imagine having to like articulate all three of the heads and the giant wings and the tails and everything. No, no, no. The, no, the dragon. The actual dragon. No, like he, he like the dragon was on set. He was very hard. He was very temperamental. Yeah, um, I see. But like they said how there's at least mm-hmm. seven people on stage at all times just manipulated the uh, Ghidorah Jesus. and like just like with puppeteers and like with suit people how like the heads would get tied in knots the uh the the, the strings would get uh, like caught in the frame so like yeah. w- uh, one crew member was uh, uh, quoted as saying uh he was it was an agonizing job the, uh shooting the Ghidorah scenes which which in a way could explain why he's in the film so little yeah and why, the final yeah. confrontation isn't as grand as you'd expect it to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, well, like uh, to sort of yeah give like perspective on that. Like uh, in Return of the Jedi, the uh, job of the Hut puppet. I mean, that took multiple people to work on, but you know he's stationary for all the movies yeah. that he's in. 
like Ghidorah is a very active participant and just having to have all these points of articulation and make it seem somewhat realistic as it look uh, like they're like clashing into each other. And not to mention, you have three other giant props and suits to work with. Like, mm-hmm. like you have uh, Mothra. The reason why there's only one Mothra larva in this movie because they said the other one died, just yeah. unexplainedly. But um, the reason why the other Mothra prop it it was too damaged to use, so they kind of like, oh yeah, it died. Yeah, that's probably the only <laughs> one. You know what? So, it's actually something we forgot about in Mothra versus Godzilla. <laughs> is I completely forgot that one of the Mothra larvae bites Godzilla's tail and just was like just whipping him around. <laughs> yeah, just like wee. <laughs> yeah, I mean like, he died from he... his injuries. <laughs> that's where he died. And I will say, like, Mothra in this movie is, is, is still the baby from the last one because it's a direct sequel. And, like, Mothra has to, is, tr- is trying to coax Godzilla and Rodan, who are feuding the whole time, to work together. But it isn't until Mothra decides to go fight Ghidorah alone. It's, like, horribly outmatched. It's, like, it, it, that's kind of like, in this silly movie, you, you kind of have, like, a moment where, like, oh, wow, Mothra. It's, like, you're just a little baby worm, but, like, you're standing up to this giant god dragon. <laughs> well, well, and, and that, that's why Mothra is the fucking real hero of this movie. Oh, yeah. No, like... Because he's just fucking managing both of them, you know, organizing everything. And, and my favorite scene in the movie is when he's on fucking Rodan's back. And he's just shooting his little web at D- Ghidorah. It's like the most badass yeah. slash cutest thing ever. No, like, Mothra is like, oh, like one of the OG, like strong women characters i think and, and, and it's a bug yep because you have like ella ripley sarah connor mothra mothra <laughs> exactly like if, if for every godzilla movie afterwards it's like you can't you can't just not root for mothra like she's she's you know for she supports humanity you know yeah like, I, and honestly like out of out of these movies i've seen so far mothra is my favorite Mothra's just saying yeah Mothra's awesome no i mean no like mothra was just blowing up dust in godzilla's face telling him to eat shit and he was like and like somehow he almost died yeah and, and also in and in, in the movie like not counting the og godzilla because he's just more of a a monster but like in this one and then in mothra versus godzilla he's kind of a shit no, he's a little goofball, right? Like, 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 <laughs> him, like, and him and Rodan both—they're just like so fucking petty. They're kicking the shit out of each other. No, like Rodan is a flying chicken. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny to see them develop personalities. Yeah, I mean, they actually have like characters, which is like really—I mean, it's hard. It, it's like. Also, Godzilla said the fuck word. Uh, oh yeah, he said. <laughs> Godzilla said the f word. Oh, because like when the when the fairies are interpreting what all the monsters are saying, when God uh, Mothra is trying to rally between the two, and it's like, oh, Godzilla, what language? <laughs> it's like Godzilla said fuck. <laughs> oh, for sure. But you know, Mothra isn't uh, isn't excused from that either. Yeah, I say Mothra said some bad stuff. Yeah, no, we know the twins left out a lot of stuff when they're translating. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, they're just, they're very, uh, they kind of cherry pick what yeah. to translate. They, they, like, Mothra has, like, a reputation 
Like, I, I kind of feel like the show Bajin are like the handlers, and like Baby Martha doesn't know how to be proper Martha yet. So it's just like, listen here, you shitheads. And just like. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, Mothra, Mothra, like, as a little baby, looks up at King Ghidorah. She's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, God's, because Mothra gets the shit beat out of her for a second when, God, when Ghidorah's shooting her lightning and everyone is just flying, blowing Mothra in the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, which like just the amount we're talking about the monsters really shows like how little we actually care about the human characters because like who i do n- it's 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 secondary to what's going on and plus like there's so much like g- like good comedy like we said it's, it's more family like more family uh more kid friendly like, there's a bit where uh, Ghidorah is shooting his lightning and he hits Godzilla in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he hits him in okay, the ass. That's something I'm going to go ahead and say it. There's a lot of moments in the Godzilla movies where Godzilla gets hit in the dick and it's annoying. You're getting annoyed that he keeps getting so... hit in the dick or Godzilla's annoyed? Yes, I feel oh, bad okay. for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, come on, man. You just can't do that. I think it's pretty fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like that one episode of uh, Family Guy where they do like uh, uh, where they do a thing where they just start throwing bags of nickels at uh, Peter's nut. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's a compilation actually on Family Guy. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's something I was gonna say. Oh. Um, I liked how the guy, uh, the only human character I've ever cared about, uh, besides, you know, the twins, is the one guy in Mothra vs. Godzilla who was just constantly eating eggs. Yes, he was a very good man. <laughs> yeah, like, like what, 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 what's the deal with that? He was just eating eggs, man. <laughs> He's just eating eggs. It's, it's very apropos to the plot where there's a giant egg they got to figure out what to do with. And he's just like, I'm eating my egg. And like, what a thing to pack for lunch. You just like, you just pull out this little very specific egg carrying device and just have four hard boiled eggs for your for your lunch. It's like, that's yeah. a choice, man. That is a choice. I think, yeah, he, he totally has them in his pockets. And, and God, you know, his breath stank like ass. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, are we ready to move on to the next one? The the next film we'll be talking about is 1963's Matongo, also directed by Ishiro Honda and special effects director Eiji Tsuburaya. Or Attack of the Mushroom People. Because this is streaming on Tubi for free, but it's, it's the English dub and the English dub title Attack of the Mushroom People. And just going back to what we said earlier... Kaiju literally means strange beast or strange creature, and a lot of kaiju sort of shows or sort of discussion, they'll talk about sort of these other monster movies that while they're not necessarily giant, city-destroying beasts, they still fall into this category. Yeah, well, at the top of the show, you you made the distinction between kaiju and daikaiju. Yes, and with with the monsters in this film, the Matango, the, the Mushroom Men, are... Just more of a more human-sized kaiju variety. And this film follows the story of seven uh, people who go out for a day yachting or are shipwrecked by a storm. And after the storm blows through, they, they wind up on a deserted island where there's nothing to eat except for these strange mushrooms that seem to make their situation a whole lot worse. 
Uh, so to basically summarize this movie in one sentence, it's a Gilligan's Island meets Lord of the Flies. With some uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead thrown in there. That too. I've got to say, this movie was painfully boring. I Fair. did not care for it. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't Fair. Me. Very fair. Uh, I, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Because, like, uh, whenever I was watching it, I'm thinking Attack of the Mushrooms. Okay, there's going to be some cool mushroom monsters. There are mushroom monsters, but they're on screen for five, six minutes tops. It's all mostly yeah. the people fighting each other. Yeah, and unlike, I mean, probably even say the original Godzilla, uh, this movie is definitely more about the human characters. Yeah. And usually, I'm more. I'm usually a character person. I I love character, but everyone in this movie, besides a couple, are just so unlikable. And not that you have to have a likable protagonist to have a good movie. It, I don't know. It was just there. There. It's a bunch of extreme. Like when I say like Gilligan's Island, it's almost like one for one the stere- the the archetypes from that from Gilligan's Island. So it's a bunch of fucking privileged people just being shits. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Well, what's interesting, I think it's interesting about the movie, just a little bit of backstory, is that, for one, it was based off a short story by William Hope Hodgson called The Voice in the Night. Okay. So this is Ishiro's Honda's adaptation of that. And as, as, as we noted, this is distinctly different from any of other Honda's film because in one it's, it's more human centric mm-hmm. and the, and the monsters are sort of like secondary to what's going on. Like, like we said, it, it is very dependent on just like, like a darker bleak tone and like deeply flawed characters. And what's interesting about it is this, this movie was actually almost banned in Japan due uh, to how the monsters looked in the film because in the film, the, the, the characters come across this mushroom because they're so desperate for any sort of, like, food or water. Some some give in and eat these mushrooms, but what they don't know is, is like, there's a mutagenic property to it. That when they eat them, they're, they're slowly driven insane, and they slowly become these mushroom monsters. But there's a intermediate form between the humans and the, the full-blown mushroom people where they have, like, these big, like, grotesque, like, warps and bumps on them. And the reason why it was almost banned is because the makeup of the film was so eerily similar to the people who under underwent like radiation poisoning from Hiroshima oh, and Nagasaki yeah. that it, that it was it felt like it was kind of pushing a line they shouldn't have crossed because mm. there are people who who are like deeply affected by that who saw like the the remnants of humanity once expected the intense nuclear radiation so it was a little too close for comfort. It still came out, but it was definitely not without its controversy. And what's interesting, though, as sort of mixed as some of the some panel is on the movie, uh, Honda considered this like one of one of his best films. Oh. And in in general, this is one of his most highly regarded films. And, and I could see that this definitely is more serious. Uh, definitely go like like the original Godzilla, going for like a broader critique on humanity as a whole. Uh, but just like Colt said, it's, it's just kind of boring. And, and once you know what, once you know the premise of the story, 
you know almost beat for beat what this movie is going to be. Yeah. And, and, and that could just be, you know, us coming from a 20, uh, someone living in 2020, and we've had a deluge of these type of, these narratives, whether it be like zombie apocalypse narratives or like, like a Lord of the Flies type story. But it, it just seems painfully derivative. And, and like I said, I don't know how much of that is just me from the present looking back then, because that could, it could have been like completely novel. I don't know. I, I was I was definitely kind of bored, but also like I wasn't like too like detract like detached from it to not like pay attention to it. Um, that was that was something that I was going to mention, but Pat already mentioned mm-hmm. it was that the victim or the people were met, resembled victims of the bombings in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm-hmm. and it's actually also considered uh, one of his more darker films as well. Like, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, it's not like. And it's a different type of dark, whereas like the OG Godzilla feels def- it's more bleak. This is, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's very, it's, I, I think uh, the Godzilla is definitely more like abstract and existential horror, whereas this is very grounded and down to earth. You, you can sort of really like conceptualize, you know, just people being fucking shitty. Because, like you said, Godzilla is more broad in terms of like humanity's sort of misdeeds, and this is more like like a more like a microscope on like how mm-hmm. like sort of petty human beings can be, and like how they can go to pieces like in a very desperate situation. Because early in the movie, they they talk about oh, like we get along so well, we're such good friends, and then literally over the course of the movie, they all sort of break off and faction and double cross on each other and double back. And I will. I feel like I was probably the most positive on it. I I definitely was was engaged. I think the the thing that bothered me is there are different definitely different points in the movie where I feel like the plot gets jerky. Like it like it kind of it's going at a certain pace and it kind of remembers. Oh wait, there's something we forgot to do. Like cause like we said, the mushroom people they only really show up in like the last Five ten minutes. to fifteen minutes of the yeah. movie and like in real. I guess heavy saturation, so like the, a lot of it's just sort of the build up to the deterioration of this like group and how they're, they're kind of bat biking each other. Like you said, you, you don't have to have like good like good like moral characters to have like an interesting story. You know, a lot of these are like very deeply flawed. Even the best character in the movie, they're still pretty messed up in certain ways. Yeah, and something I, I will uh, praise the movie for is it definitely. Uh, for the time, it, it really pushed sort of like sexual boundaries as well. It just... Yeah. Like... Uh, but at the same time, it had like... One thing that stuck with me about this movie is this line came out of nowhere. Or I wasn't expecting it. It was at the beginning of the movie, and it makes it come back, is uh, you treat a woman like crap, she'll, uh, she'll start to love you. <laughs> and then yeah, at the yeah. end of the movie... It comes back around where this woman, she's uh, crying uh, about the situation, and then he smacks her across the face, and he says, I love you, and they start making out. I, yeah. it just, yeah, I that, hate it. Yeah, that that's definitely problematic on a lot of levels. Also, the way that, like, the manuscript at the beginning of the movie flew into the water, and he's like, my manuscript, 
Oh, no. <laughs> I watched the English version, by the way, so that's why I'm talking like that. Yeah, yeah, and definitely uh, this English dub was, it, it wasn't noticeably worse than the Ghidorah one, but it, it was, um, I, I guess, I guess the, the tone of the, of the dub voiceovers, it felt a bit more placid in sort of the delivery. Yeah, very. Not monotone, but not like bored, it's just, it, it kind of felt like there was a. It was a little wooden. I, I guess, I guess, like there's a timber, like a, like a soft, like even keeled timber that that didn't really sort of change or fluctuate depending on the scene. Yeah, and, and for a movie with this type of story, you, you would expect it to be the acting to be a little more heightened emotionally, and, and it's just kind of like you said, even kill for most of it. But I, I say uh, get into the actual. Um, monsters themselves like just sort of the creature design of the film like it, it, it is sort of they're i guess the intermediary uh design where they're like all warty and gross they're actually kind of pretty spooky yeah and yeah when they and then because they actually seem like this is like a like a, some kind of burn victim and they're all ragged and, and uh, torn in their clothes and and then when you see the actual final form is like these like giant little mushrooms with like these like warts and bumps and they're all kind of lumpy and just like how dense the set was like literally this probably has one of the biggest most intricate like human sized sets of all the movies yeah definitely just cuz they have to recreate a jungle and and the, and the uh now that i think about it the the mushroom people kind of remind me of the zombies from uh, the last of us oh yeah yeah cuz sort of that, that because they're fungal. they're also both fungus too so y- yeah yeah that makes sense and um, one thing I thought was really interesting, just like as an Ultraman fan, is that that, that deep, like, uh, bassy, ghostly laugh that the mushroom men have, the whole, whole, whole laugh. Oh, yeah. That's actually reused audio from Alien Baltan, one of Ultraman's most famous enemies. And he, he's known for that very distinctive, iconic laugh. And I thought that was interesting how they reused that. And it makes sense because A.G. Tsuburaya is sort of the grandfather of Ultraman. So like mm-hmm. it, it was through him starting his own production company, that's what started the Ultraman series and which is a whole other story. So it is funny how how different portions of like audio and like props and sets are reused across all of the films and like in other Tokusatsu and Kaiju films as well. Because like how just how, how ingenious they are with making things, but also like recycling things, mm-hmm. because they spent all this money making this thing, so they're not going to throw it away. Yeah, yeah. And isn't Boltan Guillermo del Toro's like favorite? Uh, yeah, the, the, the Boltan is one of his favorite monsters because there's, there's a very famous video of Guillermo del Toro with his eyes closed, and then the, this giant sort of cicada lobster-handed alien pops out the door, and he's like, Boltan. <laughs> and he, he's, he lights up like a child on Christmas, and that's such a good video. And yeah, the, his other favorite is Pigmon, which is also an Ultraman monster. Yep. So moving on to our final and one most, uh, I would say, interesting film of the bunch. <laughs> yes. Is uh, 1969's Gamera vs. Giron, and that's streaming for free, dubbed on Tubi as Attack of the Monsters. And Which version did you guys watch? Like, uh, was it Japanese or English dubbed? Oh, we watched the English dub. It was the English dub. Yeah, I did too. Okay. Oh. And just a little background, Gamera is a another series of, of monster movies in the Showa era. 
which is started in 1965 by the Daiei Production Company. And Gamera, for those who don't know, is a giant fire-breathing turtle who fights and he can fly by shooting fire out of all his uh, holes in his shell. And what makes uh, Gamera unique from the other different kaiju in the in sort of the larger landscape is that in general he's more, I guess, on friendly terms with humanity. He's he's more like he's more apt to save people. More apt he's to the help protector people. of he's children. A, yeah, he saves all the children. Yeah. He's the friend of all children, which was his nickname, because um, ever at, starting with the second film, they made more and more efforts to make it more child-friendly and family-friendly, going even in a, in a more dis- extreme direction than even the, the Godzilla film film did, because uh, with this film, which is the fifth in the series, was just like they tried their hardest to make it more appealing to children by having children being the direct protagonists of the film. And the plot of this film is kicked off when three children notice a UFO land in the clearing. And the, and the two of the children board the UFO, which takes them off to an alien world, prompting Gamera to fly into space to rescue the two boys. Fucking idiots. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, and then, like, and, and then the, it, they get to the world, and that's, like, the A plot of the movie. And then the B plot is just the adults just taking a giant fucking dump on this little girl the entire fucking <laughs> yeah she's they're not in space you stupid little idiot yeah they're, they're just like, you little dumb bitch and, and, and she's like crying the entire time it's like please my brother and his friend they're in space you gotta believe me please believe me it's like get out of here you little shit like, <laughs> they're like what'd you do with your brother and his friend what'd you do i don't and know it's like i'm telling the truth he went yeah, the pull, ufo they pull out a gun tell us where they are and, and then when they get back it's just like oh i guess you were right all along and she's like no yeah. shit man like i don't understand why they didn't think that's totally possible considering giant creatures exist and a giant turtle Hol- that protects Cole, that's, children? Cole, that's wacko. That has, like, that's rocket wacko boosters? idiot shit. Doesn't make any sense. Why would a but spaceship it's... come from space and land on Earth? Idiot. No, Think right. about it. I, I, one thing I gotta say about Gamera is the flight of uh, him, like, kind of trying to catch the spaceship in space. I thought it was pretty funny because he's like, "Stop! Just turn around! What the fuck are you guys doing?" <laughs> oh man, I like, I don't know about, I don't know about Pat or anybody else, but man, like seeing this, I didn't realize like it's such a different like, um, like, uh, class or like different like, um, like, it's a different. Well, no, beast. no, no, it's not a different beast. I mean, it is a different beast because Gamera, but like the uh, the craftsmanship of everything is just so different. From Godzilla, uh, it, it, it's a it's a drop in quality. It, it's it's a very noticeable difference in sort of budget and skill in, in terms of to making um, the movie. But that, like we said, it's not without its charm. It's just if you go from like any of the Godzilla movies, even the, even sort of the more rushed and lower budget ones, it still looks significantly different opposed to any of the Gamera films, and it's. It's it's really just sort of funny, just like how 
I guess basically the, without a better word, saying low budget it is, but it, it, they, they're still able to do some fairly interesting things with their monster design, like you know, uh, Gamera's eyes and you know, they move, they track and they follow, and just like the sheer amount of flames come out of Gamera's leg holes. Oh, <laughs> man! <for real. laughs> and when he gets into saucer mode, where he pulls his arms and legs in and spins his shell with fire shooting out of all the holes. God, I'm I... pretty sure they just put a firework in a turtle shell and they said, "Go." <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're not yeah. wrong. And uh, so, so the, the little boys get to the planet, and like, like you know, even in the Japanese version, the, the the two leads are a Japanese boy and uh, a white boy, and sort of they're in which I was so confused about. And that's how it is for what I might say a lot of the films. The little boys they get to the planet. It's just like this this futuristic planet on this sort of barren this barren world, and they're um, greeted by these two. Alien women, Florbella and Barabella, the last two surviving members of the this race of aliens on the planet. So, as but before they actually encountered them, they got to witness Giron fight Gauss, and that was a surprisingly brutal <laughs> yeah. uh, fight that they had. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty intense fight that was largely cut from the American TV version. Because what all you get in the TV version is that Gauss and uh, Giron have a fight, and we should uh, backing up. Giron is the titular monster in the film, and Giron is this frog lizard like alien who has um, a knife yeah. for a head, yeah, mm-hmm. which is badass, like, like like literally a butcher's knife. And Gauss shoots his um, razor sharp laser beam at Giron. Giron flex it back. Cuts off his leg with real blood dripping out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I legitimately screamed because I was not ready for that. I did, I did see uh, Gauss uh, fly away, and then Giron's like, "You're not going anywhere, bitch!" Jumps in the air, cuts off his wings. So he, Gauss just hits the ground, and then Giron proceeds to chop him up while laughing sadistically. <laughs> like, literally, cuts off his head, and the head bounces across the I floor. I remember as a kid when I watched that, I was traumatized. <laughs> I was like, I can imagine. I I, I I could not believe my freaking eyes because Godzilla, like when in, until you like when you get into the later parts of Godzilla, it gets pretty brutal. But like the Godzilla films, I was used to, and then seeing this, I was just like, I, I remember I I I was just amazed. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. Be- yeah, well, well, in this one, it's even more surprising because it's specifically geared more towards children. So it's like it's this so is one of those brutal. things that just. Yeah, it's, this is like one of those moments I imagine a lot of kids saw and it just fucked them up. And it's just it's so um it's so fu- it's just so funny because like this is I think I think this is one of the things Gamera is known for is like because like the Showa era it was just it was just vi- Gamera was so violent and I love it uh now because <laughs> it was so different but man it could you see flashback? Because like one thing the Gamera films always did, they that always had like a flashback sequence to the other films, so to catch people back up or remind their younger viewers about what happened. Two varying lengths of the film, mostly sort of the pad out the runtime. So the to, to the flashback in this one is short compared to the other ones. But you see where Gamera is fighting uh, Gauss in the earlier films, where he gets hit by the laser beam, it cuts his arm, he's just like gushing blood, and in Gamera it gets. He gets quite a few licks in this film because, like, Giron starts sawing through his shell and then, like, blue blood just gushing out. Yeah. And then the way he throws his little, like, knife blade uh, shuriken. Yes. 
pretty dang cool. <laughs> I love that. But they were like making blood shoot everywhere. Because <laughs> surprise, uh, Giron has another ability when he gets his, his sword caught in a rock. These two little pockets open up on, on the side of his head. And they shoot out with startling accuracy, real-world ninja-ass throwing stars. And it, w- the first one hits Gamera right <laughs> underneath the eye. And then he gets st- stuck all in his body. Like, he gets though, he gets whipped in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, <laughs> me and Pat had a running joke throughout the movie that uh, Gamera was just basically Morty. Like, oh, jeez, I need to save these kids. And and so, like, we would take turns being, like, Rick and Morty and just, like, berate fucking Gamera the entire movie. Fuck. Fuck. He's <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Morty. <laughs> he's no bully like, Gamera. I actually, he's up there with Mothra for me right now because I just enjoy his design. He's a turtle. I love turtles. Who oh, doesn't love Dude. And, and just sort of the out, like, the just fucking outlandishness of the design, too. Like, this fucking bitch has, like, like rocket boosters. Like, what the literal shit? Yeah. That's what, that was one of the things I loved about Gamera's lineup of creatures and stuff. They're just so, like, weird and different from Godzilla's, which Godzilla has his fair share, but, like, it was just... Uh, I I guess it was just so different, and also I just like to think uh, Gauss when he was getting fucking chopped up, he was like, ah oh, fuck, he was just like, ah oh, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, oh no, please don't, no. oh, oh no, oh, oh fuck, I have a family, <laughs> and he's like, oh fuck, no, Optimus, please, Optimus, no, <laughs> oh, fuck you, oh fuck, Optimus. <laughs> but it's like, oh, Giron, you dick! <laughs> oh, man. In, in the minute fucking Giron just, like, shoots out, like, fucking shurikens, God, this was one of the movies me, me and Pat were just screaming the entire time. It just and, you know, <laughs> when I went into this... How fucking crazy it was. Sorry, when I went into this, I was like, I, for a second, I was like, is this the one where he he just chops up that fucking flying fucker? And that's literally what happens. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's been such a long time since I've seen it. And, oh, my God, it's so it's so just fun. It's so fun. No, who cares about humans? Because I will say that's uh, this, I had seen this film before, and it's, but it had been years. I, I literally found this on like a DVD and dollar general for a buck randomly yeah. like, I'm, I'm watching this and like it's <laughs> it's like it's it was just bonkers like yeah yeah we, we uh me and jonathan we rated it kind of low but don't mistake for a minute that we didn't enjoy the hell out of this movie like, oh 100 like it's not a good movie but it's it's but it's fun as hell like there, there's a reason oh, yeah. i i hearted this movie even though i gave it like a two out of five like it's 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 clunky in all the best ways. Like it's silly. Nothing in this movie makes sense, but it, it's just a romp of a good time. Like it's it's so enjoyable. And what, what makes it kind of sad that this is really kind of the peak of the Gamera films in the Showa era. Like it like Gamera had a modest Aww. success because there, there, yeah. he was like one of the only series besides Godzilla of films. But like he he just he just never could compare. Like he he, he did well enough. What about future eras? Does he do good in like the nineties? I, I will say that is something we will just touch on uh, perhaps future installments because there was a time, however briefly, where God where Godzilla was eclipsed by Gamera, and that's in the Ooh. Millennium Trilogy 
of Gamera films, which is held by some to be some of the best kaiju films ever made. Oh, fuck. And they're very much worth discussing. We will, we will uh, hopefully touch on that in time. Just sort of wrapping up with, with Gamera versus Giron, it's a lot of fun. It's silly as shit. And one of the, the climaxes of the film was the final battle between uh, Gamera and Giron, where <laughs> they're like swinging around and uh, Giron throws Gamera, but he's like, oh no, I'll get, I'll, I'll fall. But then luckily there's this, just a, this, this, this trapeze bar where he just grabs and starts flipping around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, we're doing this now. Uh, before we, okay, before we st- uh, finish our discussion of this movie, the the American kid is dumb as shit, and the Japanese kid is mean as hell. Because like, there's this one part in particular where uh, the the Japanese kid tells the American kid, he's like, "Hey, call out to the aliens," and and, and the American kid was like, "Hey, hey." And, and then and then immediately the Japanese kid is just like, fuck you. You know they don't speak our language. Why did you call out to them? <laughs> oh, my God. It, it's that like, because was... you told him, you little shit. You know, and that's the thing, too, is like, I like I can't blame, you know, he's so fucking stupid. Because there's a part in there where they, for, they go in the ship and they're like, you know, they're pr- 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 pretending like they're driving the ship. And the Japanese kid is like, you know, start her up or press the buttons or whatever. And the kid actually does it. And that's when the ship takes off. And then when they get there, he's like, the the uh, the Japanese kid says something. He's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, because you told me to. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, somebody hit both of them or something. I don't know. Don't, kid, reach your, well, don't hit kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, a kid can hit a kid. Like, and besides, the, the, the American kid, he had a gun. The whole time. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah. I, I screamed when that kid pulled out the fucking dart gun. I'm like, this kid fucking packing a Glock. What the fuck, man? And like, and the Japanese kid was just so mean to his sister. He said, like, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Like, it, it, I don't like, like that she, part. She's out there hip on your ass the whole time, where you're fucking off in space. Yeah, and, and I felt so bad for that girl because she was just getting fucking shat on the entire fucking movie. From either her brother or the adults, and, and the thing is, with the, going back to this conversation, because I'm not fucking done. It, it's not <laughs> the fact that they don't believe her that's the problem. It's just how like fucking re- ruthless they are. They're like, it's like you know that's not true, you little fucking dumb cunt. Why are you lying? You should stop lying. Lying is bad. <laughs> Lying's bad, you stupid bitch. And plus, and then the. The sorry, the mother, the mother was just like, you, you need to stop, stop being, uh, sh- she's like, shut up, or you won't go to go, go to a good school. Like that's the, what's the correlation between this and going to a good school? And, and then on top of that, this this kid is like five years old. Like, why is she having to worry about school? Like, really, it's like this bitch ain't going to college anytime soon. And I know Japan, they take their studies very seriously, but at the same time, this bitch five years old. What the fuck? And it's like, I'm not going to be worried about calls when there's, like, giant fuckers in space trying to blow up the Earth. Like, that's the least of my concern. Exactly. But Gamera, he's a protector <laughs> of children. Gamera, he, he protects the children because literally no adult on Earth is listening to a goddamn thing they say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the whole, like, protector of children thing, that, like, that was just one thing I was not prepared for. I just didn't understand that context because I was like, 
wait, how do these kids know who the fuck Gamera is? Is this like pre-established lore? And yeah, I guess it is. Because like all the Gamera movies, they were dubbed into English. So like there isn't a series uh, of the American dubs out there. So it is part of a greater like mythos. It, so like, like I said, we came in on the fifth film, but oh, okay. you know, the fifth, like, like I said, the fifth film is arguably the strongest of the, of the series. Oh, because because it's, it's the most has the most memorable monster, it has some of the zaniest antics in the film. Because like from what I've heard of other gamer movies, they're very sort of like plotting, or the children are even more hard to bear. Yeah, than their personality. Yeah. So this is this is the best of a of a bad bunch, quote quote. Yeah. But uh, and, and also the English dub for this one was actively terrible. <laughs> Yeah, but I was enjoying it because it was so bad it was funny. Yeah, exactly. Gotta feel like it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the same experience if you, if you watched a more serious literal dub because the movie's just so non serious. Yeah. Although I will say, uh, the the dub for this film, the Sandy Frank dub, is known as one of the worst dubs ever committed of a foreign language film. Oh wow! Because like there's wow. just a bunch, you know, of course. Just how wonky it is. You, you have like a, a painfully little translation of the script, so the things they say don't doesn't match the context of what's happening. Like, like um, yeah, all, all the they say stars instead of planets, mm-hmm. because you know the, the Japanese word for star is the same they use for planet. It's just how they use it, it's the context of it. Yeah, and um, th- there's that there's a there's an infamous exchange where someone says hello and it's, it's, and someone else responds with thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah. I I noticed that and I was like, I was like, wow. Either this trans this translation is bad because because like you said, there, there's just a lot of like weird non sequiturs that would would make sense would probably make sense in Japanese, but they did they they translated it so literally that in English it just sounds. Like a non sequitur. Like, uh, like there's different points in the movie where they were in the original version. There's, there's like the monsters, you know, the influences are causing urban chaos, but the literal translation they use is traffic accidents. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, but so that makes no sense. And plus, I don't know. That's pretty spot on. And and plus, one of the biggest thing is a lot of the voice actors for the Sandy Frank dub. They're literally they weren't actors. They're just people they gave the scripts to. And it took the first takes off of. Jesus. <laughs> I love this movie. So, like, it, it's it's a big old mess, but God, it's, is it fun? It is fun. So, I yeah. think now, now that we're end of our sort of overview of these films, um, I, will, I want to hear from the cast, like, what what was your favorite uh, of, the, of the bunch? Uh, I, I guess I'll go first. Uh, my favorite... No is uh definitely uh godzilla versus mothra no oh no mothra, mothra versus, versus godzilla, godzilla. Yeah. god damn it sorry <laughs> uh i really really enjoyed it uh it was the first where you see the sisters they're singing very nice also mothra's beautiful uh second goes to ah shit uh, godzilla og godzilla third uh a gamer versus gear on and uh, fourth being uh, 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 Ghidorah, and the last being Matango. I just didn't care for it. Yeah. Out of all, all of these, besides Matango, good. I just didn't like Matango. 
for me, uh, number one, obviously, Godzilla, the OG, Gojira. Uh, uh, number two is Mothra versus Godzilla. It's just so fucking fun. Um, number three, I, th I think I would have to give it to uh, Gamera versus Giran, and then fourth is uh, Ghidorah, and then fifth is Matango. Uh, I think for me, uh, it, it it's so hard to say. My favorite was uh, OG, uh was uh, Gojira because because that movie is not only tonally different, but it's in such like a different league. It, it's like how. It doesn't feel right to compare them to the other movies. Yeah. But uh, I'd probably say, similar to y'all, would be um, Mothra versus Go Godzilla. Uh, oh, fuck. Uh, Gamera versus Giron, just because of how fun it was. Yeah. Uh, King Ghidorah and then Matango. But, like, and, and I know I was kind of harsh on Matango, but, like, I don't think it's a terrible movie. It was just there was. Yeah. I, I definitely wasn't into it as much as the other ones on the list. But if I were yeah. to rank them based on quality, it would be completely different. Like like actual quality like, of films. Yeah, like not artistic so much merit. Enjoyment. Yeah. So I, I think in terms of enjoyment, I'm, much, I'm, in the, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Godzilla OG is obviously the strongest film, the most the film with the most to say, the most history, and everything else falls into place in Mothra, Ghidorah and Giron are kind of tied in a certain respect. And then Matango, not to, not to dislike Matango. It's just, it's just so different and it's such a different pace and different tone and everything else. So, and I would say all these films are worth watching. It's just, oh, yeah. you just have to pick and choose like what is your personal vibe is with each of the films. Yeah. They're all, they're all, Strong in different ways. Yeah, and, and definitely kind of go in with certain expectations depending on which one you watch. So, so these, are, these are all very worth your time. And um, I will say, like, like we said before, this is just a, a brief overview, brief overview of the Kaiju genre. There's still so many more films that we, we want to get to and talk about. So, so are we going to make this uh, like a series, like an ongoing series? I'd love to. Uh, yeah, I like this is too. This is too much fun not to continue it. Because because I would definitely like even just doing like an, another episode on uh, the later Showa era movies. I think would be really fun. Yeah, I'm oh, excited yeah. to. I want to watch them all in order. I'm going. I'm really excited for the '90s because that's where I hear that it gets like Wenzel said earlier. It gets wacky and crazy, and I'm I'm ready for that. <laughs> oh boy. So. Uh, I think we 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 had we just upped the, the tips of the iceberg and when it comes to kaiju, and even the Showa era because the Showa era has so many more films worth talking about and exploring. But I think we'll get to that in due time. So stay tuned for future kaiju's in, installments. So once again, thank you all for listening today. And thank you all for listening to this whole month, this whole movie-filled month. It's it, it was a it's a great and a lot of fun month. A lot of movie watching. A lot of cinematic consumption and we thank you all for being there for every episode and every week of that so once again you can follow us on twitter and instagram at aych podcast you can call us on letterbox and facebook at all you can hear you can follow us on twitch at twitch.tv slash all you can hear on youtube at all you can hear and you be sure to like rate reviews and subscribe on all of our streaming services and that includes soundcloud itunes Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify, and all our SSP characters were there as well. 
and it means a lot to us when you when you do that when you listen when you share it really helps us out and really helps us to grow and just spread our brand around you can follow me patrick on twitter and instagram at john lost his name and follow my art on facebook at john lost his name art my name is jonathan you can follow me on twitter at j-o-n-i-i-b-o-i-24 and john ownson 12 on letterboxd my name is colt follow me on twitter at colt d zero zero i've said it every single time please please stay home stay inside chill watch some godzilla movies Stay Please the give fuck me back on. my egg. I just want to hang out with my friends again. I want to watch Godzilla movies with my friends, but I can't do <laughs> it because people don't know how to stay home. That's all I got to say. Well, thank you, Colt. And thank you, like Pat said, to everybody who's listened to this. This has been so fun. Uh, I, I can't wait to, you know, do more, uh, more of Kaiju and more movies later. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Wednesday Wilkie and follow my art Instagram at Water Wednesday. Both of those accounts have a link tree, so you can go to my letterbox, my Goodreads. Um, and actually next month is Kai June, uh, a little art challenge for people where every day uh, you draw a kaiju. So, you know, look at that hashtag because I bet there's going to be some crazy art, as always. Hell yeah. Take care of yourselves. We'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.